Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Flyers Daily for Saturday, February 26th, final day, or final game, rather, of the month of February for the Flyers, a month in which they only had eight games. Obviously, part of that is that there was supposed to be an Olympic break here. Some games were obviously juggled around and rescheduled, uh, but uh, only eight games in the calendar month of February. That's not going to be the case in the month of March, where there'll be 15 games, and the month of April, which will also have 15 games. So uh, going to be busy the next couple of uh, months with a lot of games to finish out the season. Now, usually not that many games scheduled in the month of April, but because of you know the schedule having that big gap in it because of the Olympic break and uh, when they started this season, April, the end date of the regular season for all clubs uh, is much later in April than normal at the end of April in this case, 29th for the Flyers. Usually that's anywhere between the 6th and the 9th of April. Uh, So 15 games in March, 15 games in April. Flyers will kick off the month of March hockey with the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid will be in town coming up on March 1st. That's Tuesday night. And they'll uh, once again be starting the second half of this eight-game homestand at that point as well. Today against Washington, game number four of this eight-game homestand, they opened up this homestand against Washington a week ago, and it'll be the Caps once again. Now, in that game against Washington, they managed to hold Ovechkin off the scoreboard, and he has not been playing his best hockey of the season. He's, you know, prior to maybe the last 10 or so games, was having a Hart Trophy-type season. He was the league's MVP. But over his last nine games, three goals, two assists, and five points. It's decent for an average player, but Ovechkin's not that. Uh, His scoring has slowed considerably, so we'll see if... uh, the Flyers can once again keep him off the board. Uh, they'll look to do that again last Saturday. They played Washington. Ovi, no points in that game, although Washington did get a 5-3 win in the hockey game. When you look at the Caps, you think about scoring. You think about power play. Caps right there once again uh, in the upper half of the NHL when it comes to scoring, but not by much. 3.21 goals per game, 13th in the NHL. When you talk about goals allowed in the NHL, uh, they've done a pretty good job keeping the puck out of their own net. Right now in the NHL for this season, the Washington Capitals, 12th in the NHL. So once again, above average, giving up 2.77 goals per game. You know, and when you have Alex Ovechkin, you think, well, the power play is always great. Not necessarily the case this season. Their power play at points in this season, and obviously when he's on the ice, you want to keep it off the ice because he is so dangerous. But the Washington uh, power play this season is ranked 28th in the NHL at 15.7%. Now, Nicholas Backstrom was out for a period of time, TJ Oshie as well. So two key components to that. But when you look at some of the numbers that Ovechkin has put up this season, you go, how is it that their power play ranked 28th in the NHL? For example, we know how bad the Flyers' power play has been, 14.2% on the season. The Caps, again, just at, at fractionally ahead of them at 15.7%. Penalty kill for the Washington Capitals, just below NHL league average, 17th in the NHL at 79.3%. Going back to that power play real quick, one of the reasons why you don't want to put that power play on the ice is Ovechkin, obviously, even though it's ranked 28th in the NHL. Flyers penalty kill ranked 26th in the NHL, and really since January, much poorer than even that, 76.3%. So we'll see if the Flyers can snap this losing skid six-gamer 
today against the Washington Capitals at Wells Fargo Center. Now, we had a conversation in yesterday's episode with Flyers assistant GM Brent Flair talking about prospects, talking about uh, the upcoming draft, development of players, all that and much more. And we have another very interesting conversation. Bill Meltzer and I once again tag-teamed another Flyers executive. This time, it's Alan McCauley. Now, Alan was a scout for the Flyers, came through the Kings organization, uh, was a player, played in the NHL, just played just under 500 NHL games, and uh, has been working in the player personnel side of things for uh, a number of years after his retirement, after a brief stint coaching collegiate hockey in Canada. And we had a chance to catch up with Alan, talk about scouting. He's been named the Flyers' director of player personnel. And he joined Bill Meltzer and I. Here's that conversation. Uh, Joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily, he was named the director of player personnel a little while back and former scout, former NHL player, former member of the Ottawa 67s. He's a product of the 70s. It is Alan McCauley. Alan, how you doing? I'm doing very well this morning. It's a little chilly and snowy up here in Kingston, but uh, all par for the course and and, uh, doing well. Thank you. Where I want to start is how you kind of your path. Um, because you were a guy that played, uh, you had a really good junior career with the Ottawa 67s, played in the NHL, got close to 500 games, uh, ended up in a little bit of coaching uh, around the lockout and ended up into scouting and now director of player personnel. What led you here? Um, well, uh, certainly, first and foremost, uh, I guess a passion for the for the game and uh, yeah, had some 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 fortunate opportunities along the way um, that uh uh, probably connected or allowed uh, for myself to end up here with the Flyers. Um, uh, go more recent than than on my Ottawa days, but uh, my last year was in Los Angeles, um, where I attempted to play and had dealt with some injuries, uh, some knee issues uh, that basically ended my career. And uh, Lombardi, Dean Lombardi, had traded for me in uh, San Jose and then I uh, then he acquired me through free agency in Los Angeles and so there's a connection there um, and when he was uh, brought on board or, or named GM in, in Los Angeles he brought Ron Hextall um, into the mix in, in LA uh, so when I signed there those guys were were present and um, uh, upon my retirement from my playing days uh, they mentioned that there might be an opportunity to kind of further uh, or stay connected to the National Hockey League and uh, that opportunity came um, just a year after you mentioned it before my my brief coaching career in uh, Canadian University Hockey uh, which was a great opportunity as well but uh, figured um, when the Kings came calling and asking about doing a pro scouting job, I jumped at the opportunity to get back at the NHL level. And, and then, um, you know, six years after, or maybe it was about eight years, actually, uh, after joining the Kings on the scouting staff, uh, Ron had moved over a few years earlier to the Flyers and uh, brought me on board um, with the Flyers. And I think it's been five years or six years. Everything gets a little... Uh, a little muddied um, as far as where this pandemic started and, and mixes up years a few a little bit for me. But anyway, um, that uh, kind of paints the picture as far as how I've ended up uh, on the Flyers staff at this point. You know, in, in talking with some people that are, that have done scouting and coaching, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people gravitate 
ultimately more towards the scouting side. I, I talked to, uh, I remember talking to Mark Howell once and he said he never wanted to coach. He said, when you're scout, if you're coaching, it takes years off of your life. Whereas, you know, whereas <laughs> as scouting is, it's not low pressure, of course, there's, there's always pressure to perform and, and to, you know, to contribute well to the organization, but just it's a, to, to him, the, the scouting lifestyle was more of a good fit for him post, yes. post playing days than, than coaching. Um, I'm curious as to, you know, when you, when you got into scouting, you know, how quickly you, you, you took to it. I know you were still with the Kings at the time and, uh, you know, just uh, what the, what the transition was like to go from, from playing in, and you said the brief, the brief Canadian uh, collegiate coaching in, into scouting. Yeah, no, um, I, I certainly uh, really enjoyed, you know, it was just, as I said, it was one, one season, a, a brief stint as a coach, but uh, you know, the interaction with the players and, 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 and strategizing, uh, cutting video, um, you know, um, uh, you have more of a connection to the game uh, being a coach, but I also saw, you know, through my playing days, the, 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 the commitment level, um, you know, the time at the rink spent by the coaches to, to uh, you know, make sure that the NHL players are successful. Um, American League, I guess, I mean, I, I don't think any coach ever really turns it off when you're when you're connected um, to the team in that that regard. Um, you're always trying to think of ways to make the team better and and, uh, and win. Um, but um, yeah, so it was a bit of a, a different look at the game to, to then jump into the scouting world. Um, and as a player, certainly viewed um, management much differently than than how it how it is in reality. Um, you know, I, I kind of felt as a player that you could go out and we need you know a right wing score or playmaker or, or uh, you know a left defenseman that's a shutdown uh, type and <clears throat> figured it was much a much simpler process uh, than it actually is. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into it and uh, at the end of the day some of those options aren't always available like you you, you see them and so it was a bit of an eye-opener that way and it's uh, there's I guess a lot of time spent on the road uh, individually as a scout and so that's something that you have to learn to accept and and adopt a little bit but um, and there's there's lots of good people I mean the one thing I'd say in the pro scouting side of things is that there's a lot of former players that are involved and um, so it makes it easier even though there's, there's guys that I didn't play with or against um, there's still a lot of familiar faces and a lot of guys that you come across um, you know one guy that kind of stopped me in the tracks and thankfully I didn't have to play against him was uh, you know uh, Dave Semenko and uh, yeah it was just uh, there's a lot of guys that you, you come across that uh, I idolized and and uh, watched on the ice uh, but he was one guy in particular that, that caught my attention just these stealth blue eyes of his and and I also remember what he did uh, on the ice as well how much of a different skill set is involved in, in being an effective pro scout as opposed to an amateur scout where you're, you know, on the pro level, you're looking for how a guy fits in and fits in the organization and, you know, fits, fits in, the, in the team concept. Whereas with, it seems, seems more with amateur scouting, you're projecting a few years down the line as to, you know, can this guy be a player? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Th those are, you know, kind of the, the major differences is that you're, you're not so you're looking at the player very individually um, and, and certainly on the pro scouting side, you, you do look at individual strengths and weaknesses, but you also want to um, 
understand how that how that's going to uh, mesh with the rest of the group and how that's going to make uh, you know at the end of the day a, a successful team or a successful organization. Um, and I haven't done a lot on the amateur side. I've started to do a little bit more um, in the recent months. Um, uh, and I don't know that that's going to be a, a big aspect of of my new role. Um, but there, there will be a little bit more that's involved on that side of things. Um, you know, the pro scouting side, um, the one thing that you have that's a bit of an advantage is, is you see these players you know, develop over a number of years. And so usually by, you know, guys that are 25 or so they're, they're established, they are what they are. Um, so there's not, um, you know, there's, there's far less, um, curiosity or evaluating going on as far as what the player will become and much more of, you know, what you said earlier, as, as far as the fit, um, the fit, especially in the salary cap world is a, uh, is a major component of acquiring players for the right reasons and, and uh, ultimately whether you're going to win or lose. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, there's this mindset of, uh, yeah, we need a 24 goal scoring right shot, right winger uh, that gives you 55 to 60 points. Go outside and pick one off that tree. Right. <laughs> um, 100%. There's not a tree outside the practice facility or anybody's facility. Sometimes you have to, you have to trade for that or you have to develop that. How is kind of, you know, the, the scouting game, both at the amateur and pro level kind of changed with technology as well. Um, you know, obviously the pandemic Alan was challenging because eyes on, I think are so important to get into the ring and be able to really watch a player, not just be beholden to whatever that camera is showing you, but seeing what they're doing away from the puck, body language, how they interact on the bench, all of those elements I think are important. How much has that kind of changed over not only the last couple of years with the pandemic, but overall over the last decade? Yeah, um, uh, you're 100% right. It's uh, It has changed. And luckily for me, um, my days in LA, we, we early on or were early adopters of, of using video. And, uh, so it was a little bit, the transition, uh, in particular through the, through the pandemic where you weren't allowed to go into the, the arenas and, and watch the games. Um, it was a little bit easier of a transition because of that, that I had, you know, some experience or a little bit more experience, um, in, in utilizing, uh, that tool to, you know, assess and evaluate players. Um, but it is, also growing by leaps and bounds and you have you know a variety of different uh software companies you know sport logic and and just uh exos there's there's a variety of ways that you can break down and 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 watch players individually which i think is you know a wonderful tool to you know get to know the player um on the ice um there's very little interaction on at least in particular on the, on the pro side with players, um, mainly because they're property of somebody else's team. So uh, that would probably be tampering if you were having conversations with, with the other players. But uh, um, it's, it's, it's a great tool. Um, I think there's a, um, a hybrid that's been accepted, I guess, is, is maybe a better way. Um, there was certainly a, an older, more traditional train of thought that if you really wanted to, to see a player and get to know a player. He had to be in the rink and, and there's, there is truth to that. Um, but I also think that utilizing some of the tools that we have now, 
um, you know, uh, give you an avenue to, to, you know, maybe take a deeper dive into, you know, watching a player and understanding a player. I mean, I can watch, um, you know, four games of just shifts of one particular player. And I think it becomes, you know, more apparent what those, what that player's strengths or weaknesses are. If you watch them, you know, shift after shift after shift over, you know, a four game span or 10 game span. I mean, depending on how deep a, a dive you want to do on a player and, um, you know, I, I, I think I think there's value in being in the rink because, like, just like you, some of the points you 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 brought up um, are that is the case. You, you are limited to what the screen will show you um, when you're using just video. Um, so if you want to see, you know, okay, that guy didn't get a pass on the power play, and now he's away from the screen, but he's over there chatting with a teammate. You know, is it a <laughs> Um, a cordial conversation or is it, you know, is it a little more heated, whatever, whatever it is. I mean, you, you can see more if you're, um, you know, paying attention in your, in the arena, looking for some of those things. But I do think that uh, uh, video is a, is a great tool to, uh, to assess and evaluate. One of the, my follow-ups to, to what uh, Jason just asked in your new role, particularly, I mean, the flyers have expanded the, the analytics component, and I'm wondering your new role, how much, you know, supplementing what the, the scouts see with their eyes uh, will be working in conjunction also with the analytics people for what the, the numbers show. Yes, uh, I'm certainly hoping to be, I'm a, I have an a- analytical mind, I, you know, I was always a, uh, a math guy, so I, uh, but I couldn't do what, the, what our analytics department does, but I do appreciate what they, what they bring to the table. And, um, you know, I'm certainly hoping to, marry um those two departments a little bit as far as um you know the analytics and and the scouting um and it's uh there's a lot of data that's uh flowing through and it's um you know uh, it's great um but you know having knowing how to utilize it best is uh certainly a work in progress and we're trying to sort through that um but i do um do love the new hires. I've met them myself uh, a few times and um, it's um, it's hard to be everywhere. That's the one thing I would say about scouting. So, you know, kind of tying in the last question to, to, to this one a little bit is that you have, you know, the video that helps because you can't be in, you know, 16 ranks in 16 days. Um, well, I don't, I, I guess you can, but that hasn't been a, recipe for success for myself, um, you get a little burned out. And then also having the tool of, you know, um, some of this, this, this tracking data, um, it, it's, it's all helpful. It all uh, helps to paint the picture of, of you know, uh, what a player's strengths and weaknesses are. And I think there's a, there's, um, a way to um, tie that into the strengths and weaknesses of the team. And, um, you know, make us the the best possible, um, you know, team moving forward, um, again, through using eyes and analytics. Alan, you know, this this season, obviously, for the Flyers has, has been a very difficult one from the just a litany of injuries to um, a season that, that kind of got off the rails pretty quickly. And you look at, you know, where they are right now, and we've seen a lot of staff added. You know, Bill just alluded to the two 
new analytics members making that department now a five-person department in the NHL. Um, you were named the director of pro personnel. We've seen some other additions as well to the pro and amateur staff, and the staff has grown. Um, you know, the charge in the NHL is, is pretty simple. Put yourself in position to to win more games. That's what pro sports are about. And, and when you see some of the names added, including Danny Briere, um, how much, you know, does that make it, you know, having fresh minds, fresh eyes, fresh ideas, and and all those things make the, the task at hand a little bit less difficult uh, when you have a staff that has grown so much? Yes. No, I think, uh, you know, more – more eyes, more uh, brains, uh, more people involved uh, should make the you know the the heavier lifting that we have in front of us easier. Um, we uh, yeah, the season obviously didn't go as as planned, um, and there's a variety of reasons we can get into that that other teams also faced. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been, it's been challenging, but, uh, you know, there, there's also, uh, I think reason for optimism moving forward. Um, I'm sure that we'll, um, acquire some pieces here at the, at the trade deadline that should help us moving forward and, and, uh, should have a, a real good, uh, draft pick come, uh, uh, June, July and, um, you know, and, and, uh, and I also think that, you know, some of these fresh minds, uh, new minds that we have uh, added to our staff, um, we'll look at things a little differently. And, um, you know, maybe there's some some aspects that were missed along the way. I think the process that was involved last summer was a good one. I think it was a thorough process. Um, it just didn't plan out uh, or play out, sorry, like, like we had planned. And... Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm. I'm looking forward to, you know, um, the the pathway forward. It's. Uh, I don't know that it's a real simple one. Um, and uh, to touch on on Danny, I mean, I played with Danny at uh, in the World Juniors under 18s. We're the, both the same age, um, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, you know, sharp mind. Uh, obviously, lots of experience in the game. Um, he has different views than I do, which are, you know, very well welcomed. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just think we have, uh, we have some great people that have been added to the staff that, uh, you know, offer a different perspective and, um, uh, will help us uh, get back on track. Every situation is different, but to me, the, the gold standard for, for turning things around and in tough times I mean, you look back to that 2006-07 Flyer season, which was the worst season in franchise history, bottom record in the NHL. Um, and I mean, of course, of course, the Flyers were a seller as the deadline approached, but they were also buying. They were also a buyer too, simultaneously. Uh, Braden Coburn came in via trade. Marty Biron came in via trade, all with the idea of, of you know starting a process where you you could bounce back sooner rather than later. And you know, the, of course, the big trade was Peter Forsberg being moved to uh, to Nashville. But that, that was the impetus for in the offseason, flipping the first round pick the Flyers got from Nashville back to the Predators, and that was used to acquire uh, Hartnell and Tiemann, and Danny Breer came in as a free agent. I mean, obviously, that's not the exact model you can follow, but is that kind of a kind of a blueprint for how you can be, you know, 
both selling assets, but also acquiring players that can help in addition to you know, bringing in draft picks as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's the, the kind of idea or plan moving forward is that, uh, you know, come the trade deadline, uh, I don't think it's any secret that we'll, you know, we'll be moving pieces out, um, but we'll certainly be looking to, you know, acquire either picks or some younger players that will, um, you know, fill some boxes that, uh, you know, probably this year we were missing. Um, you know, uh, yes, we had injuries, but we also had, you know, a, a little lack of uh, flexibility with the cap. And um, and so, you know, I, I think that moving forward, hopefully we can make some some changes in that in those regards. And um yeah, I, I think we've got some good players that, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, won't push us to a playoff run like we were hoping for, but they're going to help some other team. And, and at the same time, you know, uh, just like you said, you know, our assets are going out, um, but we can, you know, hopefully acquire some good assets that will help us in the near term and the short, uh, sorry, and the long term. Alan, uh, last question for me. When, when you are building an NHL roster, um, there's so much consideration, so many pieces to the puzzle, financial, um, you know, the, the hockey pieces, talent, does it fit? Does, does that talent complement each other? Because the, the, I guess the line of success and failure is so fine at such a high level uh, around the National Hockey League that you, just, you almost just got to nail it. You got to get everything right. So it, one of the big considerations that I think I've talked about quite a bit here and built with Bill as well is, you know, philosophically, what do you want to be? You know, what do you want to be as a team? What kind of team do you want to be? What is the, you know, what's the, the style of play? What's the mantra? What's the rallying cry? All of those things. You know, what, what do you guys want to be as a team? You know, there's speed and skill. There's teams with some grit. There's variations in between, but What's the best way to build a team to have success in today's NHL? Well, I mean, I, th I think there's a few different models out there. Um, you know, uh, you know, it's easy to go to Tampa Bay, and, and yeah. I know I've, I've heard it said many times that we're a copycat league. And you know, when I was with LA, um, you know, our model was the Bruins, um, so we built a big, heavy, hard team. Um, you've got St. Louis; it's a strong team. Um, you know, a very good team that probably is a cup contender that's built very similar to that. Um, I would say, you know, Tampa's probably a bit of, bit of a mixture. Um, they went speed and skill and that didn't quite work. And then they added some, some brawn and, and toughness to their, um, uh, to their group. And, and that seemed to kind of push them over the edge. Um, but you're 100% right. I mean, there's, you have to, you have to have um, a nice, balance or blend um but i also think that uh we've kind of gotten away from from having a uh, a true identity and uh i think we want to be you know moving forward i think we want to be a lot harder to play against i think we want guys in the lineup that are um you know smart and competitive players and um you know that's going to be our objective to get to, you know players in here that uh, that want to play that that style. Um, you know that are hard on loose pucks. Uh, you know get in on the forecheck and create pressure. Um, you know 
uh, hustle on the back check, um, get in the shooting lanes, all those things. Um, and uh, I guess you could say it's easier said than done, but those players are out there. Those players will be available. And, uh, you know, the players that have those traits, I think are guys that we need to focus in on and, uh, and create an identity uh, of that first. And then, um, you know, I, I think we have, you know, uh, some skill. Um, I think we can upgrade probably on, on the speed side a little bit, um, play a little more up-tempo game. Um, but those are things that we're going to, you know, hopefully address in the next uh, three or four months. My last question for you um, is, you know, how much is the rest of the season? Because there will be changes, obviously, in the offseason geared towards kind of kind of setting the table for that in, in terms of, you know, defining a little bit of, of the culture and identity you want the team to have, having the guys that are still going to be here understand that, and then moving forward with whatever roster adjustments that you make. Yes, um, for sure. Um, you know, there'll be, I guess, some things in the, in the near term that are uh, not set in stone, but I mean, guys that are on expiring contracts that, um, you know, we'll try and get, asset value uh, from those players. Um, but, uh, you know, any any move from this point forward, I think is geared towards some of the things I just said and that, you know, we're, we're looking to uh, obviously change, change our ways a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I don't foresee us getting back to the broad street bully days. Um, but I, you know, I think that everybody would like to, to see a little more, a little more bite in our, in our group. And, uh, um, and, but I also, I also want us to see a group that plays with a puck more. Um, I think there's two ways that you can combat some of our defensive efficiencies this season is, is one to be, you know, have a, a group that knows how to defend better, but I also think the other way is to um, defend uh, less. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Dictate the play. Uh, yeah. Play in the, play, play in the offensive zone a little more, and be a little more dangerous there. Um, you know, I think some some of it is is personnel, um, but I also think in you know playing a, having a bit of a different approach at times. Um, I just watch other teams because uh, that's what I get paid to do, um, and. Uh, they um, a lot of their guys, even even their you know third and fourth lines, they hang onto the puck. They look to make plays, and I think that's part of what makes them successful. I mean, even if uh, if you're 200 feet away from your own net, um, and uh, you know, I think our fourth line, well, most of the season's done a good job. Um, you know, unfortunately, they haven't been able to to cash in with with a few more goals. But I I like the work that they do. Uh, they get the puck in. They grind it out along the boards, uh, they spend time in the zone and, um, you know, you, you see it happen to us, uh, unfortunately too often, but what happens is you spend that, the, that amount of time, 30, 40 seconds defending. And then all you do is you get the puck, uh, or hopefully you get the puck and then you flip it out of the zone and you change and then you go, you know, you, you go Defend back in your more. Zone. and exactly. <laughs> um, so we'd like to reverse that, you know, we want, we want to play and, and yes, we can, we can find some, some, some better defensive players uh, per se, but, uh, but I also think the other aspect is, is playing with the puck and creating more in the offensive zone and spending more time there. Yeah. Dictate the terms, control the puck, control the game. Like it, it Absolutely. that's the thing. And when you lose the puck, like, 
I I've always like believed that the mentality is going to be that's like that's my puck. That's not your puck. That's my puck. Yeah. If you want your puck, go somewhere else because this one's mine and this is the one that's in the game. So yeah. I want to control it. Um, Alan, this was uh, fascinating. I, I really enjoyed talking to you. I know Bill did as well, and I know the audience is going to get a lot from it. Uh, we really appreciate the time today. Uh, good luck with the snow up there in Kingston, and uh, hopefully it doesn't. You know, you don't get hit too hard with the uh, the winter, and hopefully it's a great spring of uh, hope. Springs eternal, and you know some some good moves happen both in season and then certainly uh, this off season. We really appreciate the time. I appreciate it. Uh, yes, looking forward to to uh, the steps ahead and, and certainly uh, optimistic about uh, the changes we'll make in the next three or four months to uh, to lead us into 22-23 season. Thank you. Thanks to Alan McCauley uh, for taking the time yesterday to join Bill Meltzer and I and uh, tape that conversation. I, I love to peel back the curtain with different departments of hockey operations and Alan McCauley, a great guy to talk to and congrats to him on his uh, advancement to Director of Player Personnel. And thanks to Bill Meltzer uh, for joining us on that interview as well. Flyers and Caps today. Uh, we'll break it down tomorrow. Another brand new episode of Flyers Daily. Have a great Saturday, everybody. I walk beside her I am the better man When I look to leave her I always stagger back again Once I bear